Hello, and welcome to Knock Off Drinks with a Difference. I'm your host, Amy Armstrong, passionate non-alcoholic expert and sober socialite. Grab your favourite glass of non-alcoholic wine and join me on the couch for a chat about all things alcohol-free. Okay, so today I am coming to you, not from my couch, but from an incredible venue that I have just discovered uh, on Ligon Street in Brunswick, and it is called Teller. Now, Teller is an old bank. What was it called? Uh, so it was the State Savings Bank. The State Savings Bank that has been totally renovated and extended upon and is there's just this incredible – well, it's not a pub. It's like a bougie, fancy, beautiful pub here. And what I have discovered is that they're doing an incredible non-alcoholic menu, and that's, of course, why I am here. And I'm joined by Brody Dawson, who is the bar manager here at Teller. Hey, Brody. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. You've already made me one delicious cocktail, which was the, what was it? That was the, uh, the Speak No Evil. Speak No Evil, which was the brand new um, gospel responsible rye non-alcoholic whiskey, plus and minus Shiraz, uh, lemon and egg white. So it was like a bit of a take on a whiskey sour wasn't it yeah yeah it's like a um like a non-alcoholic new york sour which is a whiskey sour with a layer of red wine but completely non-alcoholic and so tasty i'm still going on that so i wanted to come and chat to brody today not because he's just an incredible cocktail maker but 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 because he's also a sober cocktail maker which i think is probably quite a unique sort of a situation that you find yourself in there yeah it was um Interesting, interesting, especially at first, um, really kind of confronting, can, can I do this? Can I stay in this industry sober? Um, but it's a lot of fun and be, being able to do it without drinking alcohol is, there's a lot of moments where people are like, really? Like you're, you're a bartender and you're sober. Yeah. Um, but I've done it. I've been doing it for three and a half years now and still going strong and it, it's going well. So are you still making alcoholic cocktails? Yes. Are yes, in- most definitely. And are you in like invent, are you coming up with them? Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, I'm actually really pushing myself hard to to take things to to the next level, which I can show you some of the cooler things on our alcoholic list as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really trying to cover all aspects. Selfishly, I've got quite a lot of non-alcoholic options available. Yeah. But yeah, really cool alcoholic cocktails as well. Yeah. So when you when you're building a new co- alcoholic cocktail, are you tasting that, or are you using your your brain, your memory brain? Um, mostly memory, mostly memory. So when it comes to tasting things, I'm, I'm really lucky that I've got a good crew who have very, very varied palates. So if, if one person who I know likes sweet cocktails and someone who's more into more bitter, savory cocktails, if they both come to me and they're like, you've you've done something cool here, Mm. I know I'm on the right track, but no, I I don't actually taste any of the alcoholic ingredients. It's a lot of it's memory and a lot of it is just relying on my crew's palates. Yeah, that's good. It's good to have a good Good, good crew around you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were quite a few years into your um, career as a co- as a bar, bar guy, cocktail guy, um, when you decided to go sober. Was this like a big trashy fall in a heap kind of moment like me, or, or what? What made you decide to to quit drinking altogether? Um, probably probably multiple big trashy <laughs> fall in a heap moments. Um, it was it was a slow progression over the years of. Being a musician, being a bartender, embracing the party hard lifestyle. And over the course of time, it got to the point, it, it was no longer partying. It was just drinking for the sake of it, getting drunk for the sake of it. Mm. Um, and it, it really started to take its toll on, on not just my own physical and emotional health, uh, family and friends. I, I, I could 
see the looks on their faces when I would show up. It's like, okay, what roadie are we going to get today? Um, but it, it did get to the point where it was just enough's enough. It's time to, to make a major change. And ultimately that led me down the road of sobriety. Mm. So how did you sort of reach that point and, and did you get support when you decided to stop drinking? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, funnily enough, so Mel Aldred, who is the, the owner of Teller, she was the first person I spoke to when I was struggling. So we used to work together in a different venue in the CBD called the Metropolitan Hotel, which is sadly gone thanks to that pesky pandemic. Um, but it was, it was in her office. I went downstairs and sat down with her one day and, hey, I think, I think I've got a problem here. Um, and I, I was expecting to get fired. Um, be, being a bartender, you know, going, hey, I've got a problem with alcohol. I was expecting her to say, I think the best thing for you to do would be away from this environment. Mm. Instead, it was just immediate support. Um, and she was able to kind of encourage me to, to seek outside help, which mm. led me, led me to speak with a professional, um, which then led me to another professional to seek a kind of dedic- dedicated alcohol counseling. Yeah. Um, and just working out how I could, how I could tackle it. Yeah. Um, the, the volume of alcohol I was drinking at that point was a little intense. Um, to- like everyday drinking, drinking? Like everyday drinking, drinking. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but through through the right guidance, I was able to get that under control and to the point of not drinking anything and yeah and and doing so safely. So did you do like a slow curtail? You sort of wound it wound it in and then stopped. You didn't just stop stop. Yeah, for um for health and safety reasons, it was yeah. very much a taper down process. And um those first few weeks in particular as well, I was I was actually prescribed Valium to just kind of ease myself out of that. Um, I I didn't realize at first. I kind of went into it very ignorantly. Um, It was later on I found out that just stopping cold turkey could have led to some pretty severe health side effects. Um, Yeah, you can die. (laughs) Yeah, which I think in hindsight, I'm glad I wasn't aware of that at the time. It was later on that I was like, oh, wow, my life was actually on the line here. Mm. Um, I'm not being dramatic in saying that. It was scary yeah um so so doing it the way i did with, with professional assistance and tapering down was definitely for the best yeah yeah that, that is for the best not dying <laughs> not dying is always good yeah. <laughs> and what's that so that's the, what three and a half years ago did you say yep yeah three and a half so with what's that journey been like for you since you stopped drinking i mean i know personally i've had like this massive like revelatory revolution and like my life's totally different now than what it was before have you had a similar experience or what's that experience been like? Um, very, very similar. Yeah. Life is better than I could have ever possibly imagined it. Um, in more ways than one, my, my career being a, a big one, actually, funnily enough, not drinking behind the bar has made me the best bartender I've ever been in my life. It's meant that my friendships are of a stronger and deeper quality. My relationships with, with my family are, are much healthier. My music career has far more successful just about in every way not drinking has been amazing. How did music go with not drinking? Because I, I mean, I'm far from a musician, but I love music and I go to, I used to go to a lot of gigs. It's not something that I've gone back to yet. I don't really know why. I think I've been to one gig since I stopped drinking. How has that experience been for you? Like being a performer and like being used to being totally blitzed when you, when you are performing, like, was that a massive shift? (laughs) It was a huge shift, um, and at first terrifying. Um, I, I don't think I'd ever played a show sober from the point that I was 16 years old mm-hmm. until I was 25 when I stopped drinking. Um, I, I distinctly remember my first sober show, and 
I was terrified, completely nervous. Um, and like that you always get a few nerves before going on stage, which mm. is a normal thing. You know, you want to give a good show. Yeah. Um, but it was almost to the point. It's like, I don't want to do this. I'm that scared. And it was wonderful. It was yeah. actually really wonderful. What was cool though is on that particular tour, we were playing in Hobart and there were some friends that I hadn't seen for a while there. And, you know, I was explaining this is, this is it. This is the big moment. This is my first sober show. Mm. And immediately they were like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. We're sober now as well. And so wow hey cool there's there's support here we and it, instead of doing what we used to do which was just party the night away mm. it ended up we i played my show and then they played their set and then afterwards we just kind of sat around eating food and talking and like this is what's working for me and this is how i'm finding things so if, if from the get-go it was immediately like hey you're welcome here and there's a lot of love and support and so it was from that point it was kind of like hey i, I can do this this is going to be good and yeah yeah, and it's, it's been great ever since. That's such a beautiful experience to have that on that first show. Yep. Like that that's one of those things where you're like, yep, the universe is telling me that I'm on the right path with this, like it's all meant to be because that happened and I've been welcomed with loving arms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Um so then continuing on with work, like when you're in that transition period, I know like the first year or so it's quite difficult was it like immersion ther- ther- therapy almost like, you know, you're t- totally tempted by alcohol around you or constantly. What was that? Tell me about that. Um, well, look, I'd say the first six months were, were definitely a struggle. Um, I, I think I took about two weeks off work when I first stopped drinking and mm-hmm. then it was straight back into it. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was rough. Um, mm-hmm. not, not only was I still very fragile, um emotionally very fragile but again just being around the sheer volume of alcohol working in a high profile bar and mm. um people drinking quite heavily it was intimidating it was really scary um and, and that i'd say that lasted for about six months before i felt comfortable enough to go into work and it's cool you know i don't drink anymore that's that's fine but those first six months it was very much no you don't drink no you don't you don't need that. You don't want that. It's not something you do anymore. Yeah. It, it really did take a while to, yeah, feel comfortable again. Yeah, and for it to feel like natural and for it to kind of click and not yeah. be like white knuckling your way like, Woof, I'm missing out here. Yeah. Did you have that, that FOMO? Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, to, to the point that, like it was, it was, as I said, it was terrifying. And I think a huge part of the reason for that is, is being a bartender and being a musician. Alcohol, <clears throat> sorry was such a huge part of my life, a core part of my identity. Um, I felt like I was missing out. I also felt like I was letting myself down. And it, it's gonna, it sounds kind of weird just saying that aloud now, you know, three and a half years later. But it really did feel like I, a part of me had died when I stopped drinking because it was just that huge, as I said, huge part of my identity. Mm. Um, watching friends come into my bar and drink and have a great time. Like just, just even that, you know, can I have fun? not drinking yeah um i was again very pleased to discover that yes i can have a lot of fun <clears throat> and the, and the quality of that fun is much stronger than it would have been yeah. but at, at first it was yeah yeah it's a it's a big transition period yeah um so tell me a little bit about how you've so you've started teller opened a little over a year ago yep. were you straight away with like on with the we've got to have a great non-alc offering like how did that evolve um, well, when Teller opened, I wasn't a part of the crew. As I mentioned, you know, I used to work with Mel and, um, and Alicia and Tessa, our venue managers. We all used to work together at the Metropolitan. 
Um, but when the venue first opened, I wasn't actually a part of the crew again. It was, I, I came in for dinner, um, just, just to show some love and show some support. And there were already a few non-alcoholic options on the menu, which were, were very cool options. Things like non-alcoholic gin and tonics and, um, the, the non-wine alternative that was a glass of that on the menu. So that was, that was nice to discover. Mm. Um, and then I rejoined the crew in that crazy, um, post, post COVID, post lockdown, everyone wanted to rush out and, so it was just straight into it. Quick, we've got to go out. <laughs> yeah. So um, d- during that period, we didn't really alter the menu too much. There just wasn't a lot of time to do so. It was more more this year. One of the things that we try to do at Teller is, is alter the menu seasonally using mm-hmm. local produce. Um, so coming into winter, we decided we wanted to update everything and refresh everything. And it, it just happened to coincide with dry July. So it was like, well, let's, let's focus on a really, really cool non-alcoholic menu. Um, and again, that, that was a really selfish decision on my behalf. It was, I, I wanted fun things. I wanted interesting things that weren't alcoholic. Mm. Um, so instead of just having one or two non-alcoholic beers, it was like, let's make this, this non-alcoholic cocktail menu as, as cool, if not cooler than a traditional alcoholic cocktail menu. Yeah. I'm so glad that you haven't called them mocktails. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a fan of the word mocktail. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like non-alcoholic cocktails are viable drinks in their own right calling them mocktails is almost like a disservice there's nothing mock about them they're no. fun and enjoyable and yeah it's standalone as they are yeah and you've used i mean i'm just looking at the menu here you've used some really good quality products like you've got the monday distillery mezcalita in there you've got non-five the gospel responsible rye which i've just tried for the first time which is made locally here in brunswick and is incredible as is the brunswick spades uh brunswick cases Sapir, the spades, which is just so delicious. I think I have to try this one next. Yep. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Pomegranate, yuzu, mint lime. That is like me all over. Um, so was it quite a, a process dreaming? Like, cause you, you're dreaming these up really from scratch. You're reinventing the wheel, aren't you? Um, in, in a way, in a way. So like, like the first one that you tried was the, the speak no evil, which is based off of a New York sour. So that's kind of a variation or an existing classic. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, just being able to have the option to do that as a non-alcoholic variant was cool. And it was just so exciting that I didn't really stop to think what was the process in this. It was more just, I'm going to have fun. Yeah. Um, others such as the rumor has it that had been something I'd carried over from a different bar I used to work in and I kind of flirted with it there. Um, but whereas working at Teller, I really had the chance to perfect it by including the Brunswick cases. It just added that missing element. Mm. Um, so, so it was, it was a combination of, you know, really focusing and trying to come up with something amazing, whereas falling back on existing ideas and just kind of tweaking them a little bit, that, that was also a part of the process. And how have they, what's the reception been like? I mean, obviously dry July, everyone's, well, not everyone it's a good time to launch these sorts of things what's the reception been like fantastic yeah. it's it's been very flattering to see how many people have have really been blown away by these drinks um to, to the point i've had tables come in and not order alcohol they've just ordered from our non-alcoholic list which has been again Amazing. hugely flattering and yeah. um my favorite comment was actually about the um the where there's smoke which is that's the one with the monday distillery mezcalita in it yeah um someone was like you can't tell this is non-alcoholic and that's that was just like perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's yeah. that's the point is again that they are meant to stand on their own. Mm. You're not meant to feel like you're missing out on anything at all. And yeah. so for someone to to kind of nail that comment, that was just perfect. I've done my job. Yeah, job well done. Ten <laughs> house points for you. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you? You've, I mean, you've said you're not really a beer guy, or 
What are you drinking at home? Are you making cocktails for yourself at home? Um, funnily enough, no. No. <laughs> no I, sp- I spend I- – I'm here five days a week. So when I get home, I sort of switch off. I try my best to not think too much about bar work because mm. despite the fact that I love it, I'll go crazy if all I do is, is think about work. So so at home, it's, it's all about coffee and water. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm about two liter – bowls of uh, peppermint tea that's all i drink (laughs) everyone assumes that i must be drinking non-alcoholic wine all day every day but no i save it for special occasions and when i'm socializing yeah so how have the last few months being um back working in the bar gone and like what's the environment like here it's look it's it's been truly fantastic um so mel again the the owner of the venue alicia and tessa our venue managers have just been amazing uh it's been an incredibly supportive environment and they've really sort of allowed me the freedom to, okay, this is yours, make this your own. And sometimes, you know, I'll come up with something that's, no one needs work, Brody. Like just fiddle with that a little bit. Um, but yeah, they've, they've just been wonderful friends, wonderful bosses. And it's been fantastic. It's yeah. Very supportive, very, very genuinely warm working back here. And yeah. Is it quite funny? Like I would imagine like when, when you're socializing sober, you kind of get to a point where you reach peak, dealing with drunk people or watching drunk people or listening to them like sitting in a bar all day and working and and watching people as they have you know they could have quite a big night has that changed or like sort of hardened your resolve around like are you like oh god i'm so glad i don't do that anymore yeah yeah it doesn't happen all of the time um just because of the style of venue that taylor is Mm. um we're we're not we're not a nightclub um (laughs) But there, there have been a couple of, you know, like Christmas parties or birthday parties where it gets towards the end and it's like, that's going to hurt you tomorrow. I don't miss hangovers. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been definitely reaffirming that I, I made the right decision for me. And, yeah. Yeah. And what are your favorite things about sobriety? Um, just being present, being able to have an awesome night and remember everything, you know, not, not checking my phone the next day going, oh, God, what did I do this time? <laughs> Um, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, my friendships, the quality of my friendships is so much deeper, um, so much more loving, just, just those small moments. Mm. I, I think those are definitely my favorite things. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? Just how much richer your life is. And you just had had this fear for so long that you're going to lose everything. And it's like, oh, actually. <laughs> yeah. I can't look, I can't remember who the quote is by. I want to say Steve-O, but I could be wrong on that one. Um, but it's sobriety has given me everything that alcohol promised me Mm. um and taking that away it's like this is this is the life i always wanted to live yeah so yeah have you had any interests drop off like i i I definitely have i've had had things that i used to do uh, and it was essentially i've discovered only because i enjoyed drinking while i was doing them like watching horse racing with my husband no interest (laughs) in doing that whatsoever now i just used to like it because i could drink a but ton of champagne have you noticed anything drop off um not not as such i think if, if anything the interests that i had i've been able to explore deeper um I, again a big thing being guitar playing i'm a much better guitar player than i was three and a half years ago <laughs> i i love music a lot more I, it's it's really expanded instead of just being okay i'm a rock and roll musician i've been exploring jazz i've been exploring blues and, and really kind of mastering my medium in a way that I didn't do before. Yeah. Um, again, same with bartending, being able to push myself to the next level. Um, bartending came about initially back in the day because I was spending so much time in bars and it was something I was interested in doing. Yeah. 
But again, three and a half years into sobriety, I feel like, again, I am a, a much better bartender. I'm a lot more passionate about creating an experience rather than just a cool drink. Mm. Is there, There's quite like a big sober or hard edge thing in the punk scene, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, there is. Um, so straight edge has been around for a while. Straight and um, <laughs> same thing, I guess. You knew what I was talking about. Thank God. Um, yeah. And again, that, that was something that. I wasn't necessarily aware of. I knew it existed, but I, de- I guess I just didn't have any interest in it. Mm. Um, but w- what's cool about the punk community in Melbourne is there are a lot of people who are vegan, a lot of people who are straight edge, who, whilst we listen to quite intense and heavy music and play intense and heavy music, it all comes from a place of um, d- just looking after one another and doing what's best for you and what's best for the people around you and really having a strong community. Yeah. Um, I think that's at, at its core, you know, that's what straight edge is about is just honoring your body. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's lovely. And I honestly, I mean, I can't recommend highly enough that people come and check out Teller. I'm definitely going to be eating here. I think the menu looks incredible and you're going to make me another drink, (laughs) which I'm excited about. Um, Thank you so much for sharing your experience with me. I think what you're doing is amazing and admirable. I don't know if I could work in in this environment. Um, So, yeah, thank you. And congratulations on congratulations on congratulating. (laughs) far out congratulations on creating such a unique menu like what i mean i've just noticed these on instagram and been like what is teller doing this is incredible and i'm gonna go there so perfect no well look thank you thank you so much for for taking interest and um yeah it's it's definitely very flattering when someone's like hey i'd like i'd love to talk to you about what you're doing so (laughs) thank thank you so much for for your time and for liking my drinks (laughs) cheers As always, head to drybutwet.com.au for all the latest non-alcoholic drinks reviews and head to drybutwet on Instagram for hilarity and entertainment. Thank you for listening and please subscribe and share this podcast if you think that anyone could benefit from it. See you next week. Cheers.